0: One of the things we say here and mean deeply is no one stands alone. And uh, those are two ministries that we encourage and support um, where often there are people standing alone. And uh, we just want you to know that uh, here at Centerpoint is a place for you, a place to uh, be found in a very safe and loving environment. We really do care for people and for one another. We don't want anyone to feel that they're ever alone. Before we look to God's word this morning, would you join me in a word of prayer? Lord, we begin this time of our study with prayer because we recognize that we struggle at times to be still, to learn, to listen. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will not let us out of hearing I pray the Holy Spirit will not let us out of acting on what we hear. But Lord, we cannot do any of that without your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we pray that you will bring the fullness of God's Spirit to us at this time. And in some ways, more importantly, when we leave here. And so, Lord, meet us, take us, and use us. In Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. In the movie, Hidden Figures, NASA is trying to put an American in orbit, but they are stymied by the fact that they cannot pinpoint a reentry and a splashdown point. At a critical meeting to decide these final uh, um, issues, um, all the key players are there, including astronaut John Glenn and for the very first time, an African-American woman, Kathleen Goebbels. Okay, so we have the vehicle's speed, the launch window, and for argument's sake, the landing zone is the Bahamas. Should be enough to figure the go-no-go? Yeah, in theory, sir.
1: We need to be past theory at this point. We'll be able to calculate a go-no-go with that information. When exactly is that gonna happen? Catherine? Have a go at it. Entry is 2,990 miles from where we want Colonel Glenn to land. If we assume that's the Bahamas, it's 17,544 miles per hour upon re entry, 370 feet at a descent angle of 46.56 degrees, distance. Velocity squared, sign, gravity squared, sign. 32 feet, and the distance would be 20,530,372 feet, or 2,990 miles, or 46, Point three three degrees. Okay, so that puts your landing zone at five point zero six six seven degrees north seven seven point three 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 degrees west which is here right here give or take twenty square miles
0: I like your numbers Thank you. Catherine knew that the answer was found in applying the right math. If she applied the right math, it would come out facts. Uh, Math doesn't lie. It's, It's factual. It's truth. But she also recognized that if she got it wrong, bad things could happen. And that's true of truths, any kind of truth, whether it's mathematical truth or scientific truth or life truths or theological truths. If you get them wrong, bad things can happen. So when the governor of Judea asks of Jesus, what is truth, it seems as though he's asking one of the most important questions in life. I wanna look at that this morning as we continue our series in the Gospel of John. Uh, Last week, we saw Jesus face three trials. The Jewish trial before the Sanhedrin for blasphemy, the Roman trial before the governor for sedition, and the trial before the father for sin. Now, Jesus was found guilty of blasphemy by the Sanhedrin. Can you pull my voice down a little bit, please? Um, The problem was that while that crime was, was uh, punished by capital punishment. They had lost the ability to do that. Being occupied by Rome, they were unable to invoke capital punishment on someone found guilty. That was only allowed by the Roman governor, Pilate. And so they have to take Jesus to Pilate. I wanna look uh, a little more carefully at that trial this morning, in particular, one man uh, that stood out among all of them at that trial, of course, is the Roman governor, Pilate. So, very quickly, who is Pilate? Um, he is a uh, member of the ruling party of Rome. He became the prefect or the governor of Judea in 26 AD. However, at the time of Jesus' trial, Pilate is on shaky ground with Rome He had earlier used a rather heavy hand to put down a rebellion or uh, a protest, really. It wasn't a rebellion, it was a protest against some things that he was doing. And um, the way he handled it, Rome was very upset at. In fact, the Jewish leaders protested to Rome, and so uh, he knows that they have Caesar's ear. And he's concerned now uh, about what Caesar might be hearing from the Jewish leaders, on top of that, his political mentor uh, had just been put to death for killing, poisoning the emperor's son and trying to take the throne and be crowned Caesar himself. And so Pilate knows that he's not in good standing in Rome. Now, interesting, um, a couple of years from now, about Two years from now, there'll be another rebellion. He puts down in a very heavy-handed way, uh, and he is finally relieved by Rome of his position and brought back to Rome for trial. Uh, However, the last we know of Pilate is he reaches Rome in 36 AD, and we hear nothing more about him. He's lost to history. So he needs to proceed very carefully. He also knows that the Jewish leaders want to use him in order to get to Jesus, he devises a way to use Jesus to get to them. Uh, this is where we pick up that in chapter 18, verse 28. Uh, then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas uh, to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremon- <clears throat> ceremonial uncleanliness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. This happened so that the words Jesus had spoken indicating the kind of death he was going to die would be fulfilled. Pilate then went back inside the palace summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, replied Pilate? It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you've done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. Ah, you are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason, I was born, and for this reason, I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is or wants to be of the truth listens to me. What is truth, Pilate asked. And when, with this, he went out again to the Jews. What is truth? The interesting thing is that there's no answer. Pilate asks the question, what is truth? And then he immediately goes out to report back to the Jewish leaders what he has found in this private interview with Jesus. There is no answer to his question. Why? Well, some commentators believe that uh, Jesus refused to give one, that there's no answer because Jesus was not going to answer him. He uh, immediately sensed Pilate's insincerity and therefore was not going to uh, provide an answer. His silence uh, was an act of disproval to Pilate. Now, I I don't really go for that. I, I think Jesus would have answered him. I always thought, until recently, I, I really just thought it was a matter of Pilate's cynicism um, that stops an answer. Sort of this, like, what is truth? No one can No one knows what truth really is. Uh, This sense that uh, truth is really owned by who's ever in power. There's no real objective um, absolute to truth. And so this in my mind made Peter the Peter Pilate the poster child for postmodernism. In the postmodern world, there isn't absolutes. Um, truth is a perspective. Truth comes out of your own personal narrative. You can determine what truths are true for you, and I can then determine what truths are true for me. There's no objective sense of life truths. So I always thought that uh, Pilate was just being cynical, that he was being a postmodern, that he was just simply saying, Ugh, you know, there can be no truth. Because truth is whatever you make it to be. Anne Rowe in her book called Pontius Pilate suggests another reason that there is no answer. She suggests that Pilate became afraid of an answer. She suggests that Pilate became afraid of an answer. Pilate had just admitted that he was searching for the truth, right? Right? And this is what she says about that. If Pilate thought Jesus was mad, this would explain his precipitate exit. A madman would not be worth bothering any, with any longer. They could all go home. Yet there's another possible explanation short of a conviction of lunacy. Pilate had asked a question that departed abruptly from his one-track interest in the inquiry. That question threatened to engage him in Jesus' argument on Jesus' terms. This was disturbing. It was the beginning of complicity. Therefore, Pilate no sooner asked the question than he dropped it and left at once to cover his embarrassment. His remark was not just the symbolic statement of man who's had intimation of the truth but is too afraid or too self-preserving to go on. In asking the question, Pilate is admitting that somewhere his life has become off course, that he no longer knows what is true. He might have, um, before he came to Judea, uh, he, he, he had the protection of Rome. He thought he could do no wrong. He was a prefect, a governor of Judea, appointed by Caesar, by the Senate. He was a representative of the greatest nation and empire in the world. And yet he's struggling. He can't adjust his compass. He's lost his way. He's swinging and swaying in the wind. And he turns to a Jewish carpenter and asks what is truth. Do you see his dilemma? A Jewish carpenter And he's asking for truth. In 1890, a Russian artist named Nikolai Gay painted a picture of this moment. Uh, That moment when, when Pilate turns to Jesus and says, what is truth? Everyone hated the painting. In fact, the czar banned it. He refused to let it be shown in any uh, showings or in any museum. It was tucked away the back room of someone's house for decades. Why did they hate his painting? Because of the way he portrays Jesus. Notice that Pilate's in the light. Pilate's big, healthy. Jesus is in the shadow against the wall. And up close, Jesus looks disheveled, messy, almost unhinged. When I first saw it, I didn't like it. I thought, well, I'm not showing this one. I said to myself, why? I thought, because this is not how I picture Jesus. Now, I'm not asking for that ridiculously handsome Jesus, you know. <laughs> Got my halo on, you know. But we, are, we want a different looking Jesus, right? And then it struck me. Maybe what Nikolai tried to paint is not who we think Jesus is, but how Pilate saw him. Pilate is a Roman governor. This man is a Jewish carpenter. He's not a priest. He's not a high priest. He's not a Levite. He doesn't work in the temple. He's not a rabbi. He has no educational background, no training. No rabbi, no rabbinical school vouches for him. He is a carpenter out of the boonies of Galilee. And to think this man this man could tell him the truth? I mean, do you see how, uh, how that would work with um, Pilate's mind? I mean, uh, he, he might admit, yes, I, I am lost at this time in my life. I'm looking for something. I, I am curious what is truth. But would I find it from Jesus? Could, could this man who's being charged with blasphemy, could this man possibly be the authority of truth. It's not just what is truth, but who gets to claim what truth is? Who's the authority to say who truth is? And, and for this moment, this incredibly brief moment, he turns to Jesus says, what is truth and recognizes what he has just said. Not only is he admitting that I don't know truth anymore. I am lost. I, 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 my compass of life is off. But he's asking this Jewish carpenter because there was a moment when he saw something, felt something, heard something different about Jesus. What is truth? And in that moment, he thought maybe he knows. And in that moment, he became afraid that maybe Jesus knows and realizing what he has done and what he's asking of this Jewish felon, he quickly turns away to hide his embarrassment. John tells us, what is truth, Pilate asks. And with this, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it's your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? they shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion, John tells us. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again saying, hail king of the Jews. And they struck him in the face once more. Pilate came out And said to the Jews, look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know I find no basis for a charge against him. And when Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, behold the man. And at that moment, with those words, Pilate dismisses Jesus as having any authority of truth. And in this moment, Pilate truly becomes the poster child of postmodernism. Dismisses Jesus as just a man, a man who knows no more truth than you or I, a man who has no authority to set out what the boundaries of truth might be, a man that has no greater insight than anyone else. Behold the man. And that is exactly what happens in our world when people dismiss Jesus as as that. Uh, Truth then becomes um, really a reflection of your own narrative. Uh, Each one of us gets to determine what is truth for us, and your truth does not necessarily trump my truth. There's no one truth that's better or worse than anyone else's. When we get truth wrong, Bad things can happen. One theologian said that we live in a world today where most people are morally adrift in a boat that badly leaks. That's a great description of our world. People are morally adrift in a boat that badly leaks. Behold the man. What would Jesus have said in answer to Pilate's question? What is truth? Well, the interesting thing is I originally thought Jesus anticipated the question. I think differently. I think Jesus set up The question. Look at what happens right before this. You are a king, then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You are right in saying, I am a king. In fact, for this reason, I was born, and for this reason I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is or wants to be of the truth listens to me. Now let's look at this again a little more carefully, okay? So the question is: Are you a king? Because the only way that Pilate can put Jesus to death as he had planned for Barabbas who was involved in rebellion is for Jesus to be involved with treason for Jesus to be involved with sedition so he asked the question are you a king that's what the Jewish leaders said of him Jesus is a king and so he says are you a king Jesus says I am you are a king then said Pilate Jesus answered you are right in saying I am a king all right But look what Jesus says right after that. In fact, for this reason, I was born. For this, I came into the world to testify to being a king. He doesn't say that, does he? No. And that's what you'd expect Jesus to say. The whole inquiry has been about whether or not he's a king. And Jesus says, in fact, for this reason, I was born. For this, I came into the world to testify to the truth. He said earlier to his disciples, I am the truth. Jesus has already answered the question, what is truth? I I am the truth, and that's what Pilate was afraid of. Jesus then goes on to say, everyone who is or wants to be of the truth listens to me. Jesus defines truth. He embodies it. He's saying that truth came from outside your world the reason I've come to this world the reason I was born is to testify to the truth and everyone who is or wants to be of the truth then listens to truth follows me and I think that is what frightened pilot and that brings two questions I think we should ask Is Jesus my truth? Is Jesus my truth? Is he my true north? Do I set my life's compass by Jesus? Do I set my life's compass by Jesus? Now that means not just the general direction of your life, that means everything about your life because Jesus said, Those who want to be of the truth listen to me. So the second question is, am I listening? to his voice in my life. In other words, does my life show I'm following him? Do my actions? Do my words? Do my values? Do my thoughts show I follow Jesus, that he is my truth? Pilate's Inquiry for what is truth died with those words behold the man ours begins with these words behold truth your Lord and Savior is Jesus my truth and does my life show that I'm following him do I listen to the truth in Jesus let's pray Lord God, we thank you for answering the question. And Lord, for us here today, it's not just the answer of the question that is challenging, it's living out the answer. So I pray, I pray this morning, I pray this day, that we each and every one of us can say, Jesus is my truth. And I'm listening to him. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen.